When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, joined by our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. It's the 23rd of December and we are approaching Christmas Eve. We're approaching Christmas Day. Excited, Aaron? Yeah, very much so. Got to have a couple of days break before the football returns. Indeed, indeed. Uh, obviously, Newcastle face Leicester on Boxing Day. So we'll have a bit of a chat, a bit of a preview, a bit of a look ahead to that game. Also, uh, look at that EFL Cup quarter-final draw, which of course is against Leicester, which is going to be really interesting. In fact, that whole week in January um, could be season-defining, really, and we'll get on to that. We're also going to have a bit of a quiz at the end, so you guys watching live can join in in the comments. Um, we'll reveal what the quiz is. It's, uh, um, it's going to be a difficult one, I think. We've been practising this week uh, Newcastle United trivia. Uh, we've been doing all right, but I think this one just to embarrass ourselves, probably pick the hardest one. I think we're going to need some help from the people in the comments, aren't we, if we're going to go through it, but I'm sure we'll be all right. So stick with us to the end of the episode and you can help us out and hopefully we've got 15 minutes to answer all these questions and hopefully we can do it um, in double quick time. But as we said, plenty to talk about uh, before we get on to that. I'll just do some quick homework before we get started. So if you're on the podcast, please remember to like, and follow the podcast and leave us a quick rating and review. If you're watching live on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. And if you want to come along to our live Newcastle Night event on the 26th of January, you need to be quick because there's only about 19 tickets left. I'll pop the link to where you can get your tickets into the comments, into the podcast description as well. Uh, it's free entry, but you do need a ticket to come along. It'll be me, Aaron, Kieran, uh, and we've also got, who else have we got? Luke Edwards, he'll, he'll laugh as if I've forgotten his name there. Luke Edwards and BBC Radio Newcastle's Matthew Raysbeck. So a brilliant panel right in the middle of the January window as well. So it's going to be plenty to talk about. I say free entry, but you will need a ticket to get involved. Now, Aaron, let's talk about this EFL Cup quarterfinal against Leicester City. I guess out of all the teams that were left in the draw, uh, probably besides Charlton, is this the best draw for Newcastle? I think it's certainly favourable. I think it's one that Eddie Howell no doubt be taken seriously, but I think it gives Newcastle a good enough chance to qualify. I think the most important thing was that Howe wanted a home draw. He's got that. Um, I think the, the worst thing for him would have been having to go away to a Premier League team. So, yeah, look, I think Leicester not to be underestimated at all. Yes, they've had a bad start the season, but they're starting to slowly pick up. Got some fantastic players that can really do some damage. So, You'd be confident going into it. I think we will. I think obviously Sunday will tell us a bit more about what we need to know about Leicester and how they line up and how they've sort of reacted to the break, um, just as Newcastle have. But I think it's a. I think on the whole, it's a good draw. Mm, I think Nottingham Forest is probably the only other side that maybe Newcastle fans would have taken. Um, obviously besides Charlton, because you still got some big hitters within the mix. But as I said on 
the last podcast with John Gibson, I, I don't think you looked at the, the teams that were in the mix and, and really fear anybody. Yes, Man City, big, big team. But let's be honest, if you're going to win this trophy, you're going to have to beat the best at some point. So why not do it in the quarterfinal? Um, but they've got a decent enough draw with Leicester. But given how Leicester have turned things around in the league, you know their next two games, obviously one's against Newcastle and whoever they face on, on New Year's Eve, that could maybe change the way they look at this quarterfinal. Because if, if they fall back down the league, then maybe the priority shifts a little bit to trying to, you know, prioritise getting back up the table rather than getting to Wembley. Yeah, and look, likewise, it works the other way. Should Newcastle somehow lose to Leicester and Leeds and struggle against Arsenal and even Chef Wed, all of a sudden that tie against the Premier League team, yes, it's at home, but it comes a bit more daunting if Newcastle can't keep up this form. I think they will keep up the form, given what we've seen against Vallecano um, and what we saw in flashes against Bournemouth. But if it's going to be interesting this week. You've already touched on it. It, it does feel sort of season-defining over the festive period because Eddie Howe's loved to downplay this break. He said, we knew it was coming. We're not going to let it affect us. But they were on such a roll before the World Cup. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they pick it up on Boxing Day when Premier League football is, is finally back. I mean, that run of games is quite something. You know, you have Leicester on Boxing Day, Leeds on New Year's Eve, then you face Arsenal, then you have Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, then you have Leicester in the EFL Cup, and then you have Fulham. And that is really going to test the depth of this Newcastle United squad. 100%. I think Sunday, as we say, will be a, a test. I think there'll be a lot of leggy players who are still trying to re- refine that fitness. Leeds, not an easy task. You know, Jesse Marsh, they've pulled off some big scalps this season. You know, notably Liverpool. Arsenal's the big one for me because... You know, Arsenal have overachieved, I think, this season, you know, to be seven points ahead of Newcastle. There's a lot of pressure on them to make, try and keep up that momentum. That is a big barometer of how far Newcastle have came and how far they've still got to go when they face them after New Year. Because if they get blown out the water by Arteta's team, you suddenly, you know, the sort of breaks get put on a bit from how we've all been feeling the last couple of weeks, saying that Newcastle can finish in the top four and whatever. Um, so that's the big one for me. Then you've obviously got two real chances to progress in the cup. So it's about balancing the you know the league and the cups. I think quite something if they beat Arsenal, wouldn't it? Because plenty of people might start dreaming about more than just the Champions League place. Yeah, it would be a huge statement. And I think you know these are the we've already had it this season in a sense. You know, nearly beating City was a, quite a big statement beating Chelsea quite comfortably before the break was a big statement. Even the performance at Liverpool, I know they came away with nothing, but um, to lose it in that manner at the end shows that, you know, they've, how good they've been this season. To go down there, to beat Arsenal, to close that gap, it would, I think, you know, any any hope that me and you have got of people keeping their feet on the ground, I think that goes out the window um, if they do beat Arsenal in the new year. Yeah, well, that's to come. We, of course, will have plenty of content and coverage of that game but as we said Leicester um, is the first game of this run of fixtures on Boxing Day everyone loves a good old Boxing Day uh, clash Newcastle always seem to somehow be away though which is um, which is well it just seems they always have to travel somewhere and the fans sold out that and down at the King Power brilliant support and are you backing Newcastle to come back to Townsend with all three points? I think it's hard to back against them at the minute. I know there have been a break and, you know, essentially this game will probably have a bit of a pre-season feel to it. But I think 
given the manner of their performances across the season, given that they've only lost once at Liverpool in such a devastating fashion, I think you'd be a you know a fool to bet against them. And yes, Leicester have improved um, compared to the start of the season. Rogers seems to have sort of saved himself after some early sort of doubts about his future. You're looking at the press comments that he's done today and obviously James Madison's a doubt that would be a huge boost for them. I think you've got to be confident, even though they're on the road, that they're going to come back with three points at the minute. Hmm, yeah, James Madison, a bit of a knee issue. Brennan Rogers said that they'll give it every chance that he can be involved. And even though they beat MK Dons without him in the, in, in the League Cup, he is a talisman. He is the one who can make things happen. In in many ways, he's a little bit like Alan St. Maxman in any cast night squad before all these other uh, big-name players arrived. Of course, they have got other talented players. You, yeah, Tillemans, uh, you know, Vardy can still do a job. They are a threatening side, even without Madison, but of course, Madison just takes it up a level. Yeah, 100%. They've got some fantastic players. Yuri Tillemans is a, is a player that I'm sure will you know, be on many transfer radars in January again. Patton Dakar is fantastic when he plays. Harvey Barnes is, is another really, really talented player. So, even without Madison, they're a fantastic side. We know what they can do. Um, but as me and you have touched on in this podcast the last couple of months, Madison this season just seems to have gone to another level. Um, and you can see why so many teams, including Newcastle, were after him in the summer because, um, you know, he, there's not many number 10s in the league that do it better than Madison. So, huge boost for Newcastle if he's out on Boxing Day. And it would be a huge boost for Newcastle if he's playing his first game for Newcastle against Leicester in the Carabao Cup next month. A lot of people made that joke when the, the draw was made. Um, but, you know, one of our colleagues who covers Leicester down the Midlands said he felt, he feels rather that uh, Le- with Leicester still within the safety battle, yes, they've picked up form, but, you know, making up ones about it, they've still got a job to do to secure their Premier League status. It's unlikely that Madison will be sold in January. Yeah, look, January's a much harder window you know, regardless of the situation clubs find themselves in. I think, as you say, Leicester are going to be a lot more reluctant to sell in January, given this, you know, the position they find themselves in. And they were really, really reluctant to sell him in the summer. So it's how much Newcastle United want to go for him in January. Do they really need him in January? Probably not. It would be a fantastic signing, but it's not as if it's the end of the world if they don't get him. Um, and it could just be a case that they wait until the summer if they can get an agreement done early. So... Look, I think he's definitely one on the radar, but and it would be fantastic if they signed him. I'm just not sure how likely it is that Leicester are going to be able to, you know, really, really, you know, be open to selling them. I have a few comments here from those watching live. Uh, JW Mousen says he would have rather Southampton Wolves or Forest. Uh, to be fair, I forgot at least two of them sides were actually still in the draw. <laughs> um, so there you go. That's my bad research. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you would have taken. Um, Southampton Wolves. I mean, I, Forest is an interesting one because I feel like, you know, they're just going to throw caution to the wind and just kind of go for it. Wolves, the first win is under the, the new manager. Southampton, I saw it indifferent. And I, 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 in many ways, actually, I think Leicester, you can throw in with them three as a, a team. You don't really know which one's going to turn up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, he also follows up by saying Harley, Harley Barnes is a quality player. We've got Nick Lumley saying the last five games in the Premier League have been hard. No game is easy in the league. We have to take it one game at a time. But we probably are the hardest team to face in the Premier League right now. Our defence is like a brick wall. Uh, Nicky, you are, I think you're spot on. I think nearly everyone watching this, listening to this, will 
agree with you. Watch 11 goals conceded this season, five clean sheets in a row at home. The defence, the improvement in the defence, given the short space of time, the relative short space of time that that defence has been playing together and how long Eddie Howe's been in charge just over a year is is unbelievable. And and we'll hear from Brendan Rodgers in a moment and he's full of praise for Newcastle's defence and the additions they've made. But to, to be sitting here and saying Newcastle have only conceded 11 goals so far this season, it's another mind-blowing stat and another indicator of just how well Eddie Howe and his staff are doing. I would agree with Nicky's comment. Um, I think they are probably the toughest team in the league to face at the minute. I think they're the most consistent so far. Yes, they're seven points off the top, but um, I think it, when you look at you know the results they've picked up and, and as you've said, all those stats you've mentioned about the unbeaten runs, the clean sheets... Um, I don't think you could say that there's an opponent that's probably feared, you know, maybe Manchester City, but I mean, that just shows that they're even, if they're in the same bracket as them, how far they've come in their Eddie Howe. So yeah, look, this is the this is the thing. They've had a fantastic start to the season. Now it's all about making sure that they don't lose this momentum because of the break. Mm. Uh, to kind of phrase asks, how is the drilling? <laughs> yes, thankfully, there is no drilling. Um, regular listeners of the podcast or viewers of the, the live stream will know we've had a bit of issue um, with a bit of external noise, but thankfully today it's just me, Aaron, and my friendly penguin jumper. <coughs> Sorry, let's be trying to be funny and <laughs> karma coming to get us. But yeah, no drilling today, thankfully. Um, Derek Allen Platten asking, would you swap? Seeing that someone's just got had the loudest <laughs> beep of a horn there outside. Oh, jinxed it. Maybe it was Santa and his sleigh. Um, Derek Allen Platten asks, would you swap Maxi for Madison? Oh, big a, question. That man. is a cracking question from Derek. Um, <coughs> no, I don't think so. I think, look, Maxi's not in the team at the minute. And, you know, as I say on this on this podcast a lot, you know, football fans are very short, you know, short term in their nature. And Madison's the hot topic of the moment. But I think Maxi complements this team very well when he's fit. I think, you know, he offers something a bit different to Madison in terms of what he can do with the ball at his feet and dribbling. So I don't think so. That's a that's a really, really good question. Would you bring Alan St. Maxman into the starting eleven to face Leicester? I think if he's fit, I'd like to see him back from the start because yes, as we touched he's on earlier in the week. He? He's got yeah. to be fit. He's, you know, he he came off the bench uh, in the League Cup against Bournemouth. He's been on the bench uh, in, in previous games. Is it a case he's? He, do you think he's not been match fit, or do you think he's just not getting into that start eleven because everyone else is performing so well? I think it's a bit of both. I think we know he had that setback um, when he was trying to initially come back from the injury. I think he's been working on his fitness in Saudi, and obviously there was a little niggle against Vallecano. It's really, really tough because you don't want to disrupt this women winning team. And Jolinton's been doing fantastic out on the left, as we touched on on Monday. But as I said, then I think Maxi in that start eleven is a must because when he's fit and firing, and I mean, I was watching a clip on on Twitter this morning of him against Manchester City just a matter of months ago, and you sort of forget how frightening he was that day. And that was only a couple of months ago. If he can refine that form, I think he slots straight back into that team. Jolinton drops in deep. And I think then you've got the decision to make as to which midfielder drops out. We've had this conversation plenty of times over the last few weeks on the podcast about Maxi. And the answer 
always seems to be, and those on Twitter have seen it as well, and in the comments, always seems to be, remember how terrified Kyle Walker was against Alan St. Maxwell, which is true. But how many other times against top teams, and I'm top teams, you know, like, like Liverpool, Arsenal, can you say that? And now some people listening might say that's very critical, but St. Maxman's biggest issue is consistency. And that's why he can't get into the side because Miggy has found consistency. Sean Longstaff, Joe Willick, Bruno are all consistent. And that's mm-hmm. why it's not as easy as bringing St. Maxman, moving Joe Linton into the centre because Eddie Howe doesn't like to change your winning side. And who do you drop? But you, you know what it is? Look, Max himself made a very good point after Bournemouth and, and our colleague Lee Ryder managed to grab a chat with him after that game. And Max, he said, look, it's frustrating that I'm not starting. But Jolton deserves to start. Willock deserves to start. These players that are in the team above me really do deserve to start. So that's a really good attitude from him because remember when he came from Nice and there was loads of talk about his attitude and what he's like on the training pitch. Actually, I think we've seen him mature a lot. And I think that answer that he gave uh, Lee when he spoke to him the other night really spoke volumes of actually he is a team player now. That will no doubt be because of what Eddie Howe's instilled in him in the last couple of months. Um and look, it might be the case that he has to just take a little bit of a bit part role now, um, which will be a shock to the system, given that under Brucey was the main man, the tactic was give it a give it a maxi and see what can happen. So he now has a really, really important six months ahead of him to try and one, get back in that team, two, show that he has a future, or three, you know, shows that he actually is good enough to be linked with Chelsea and Tottenham and City, as he so often has been. So a big couple of months on Maxi, I think, to get back in this side. To coin a phrase, says you prefer Madison to thread Maxi through on goal. That's not a bad shout. He also says no player walks straight back into the side and Maxi will work his way back into it like everybody else. And Derek asks, who do you, do you honestly think would give the team the most over 38 games, Maxi or Madison? I would say Madison. Same. Because I think he's more consistent. It's that word again, consistency. I think he's more consistent. There's no doubt that St. Max, when he's running at players, is, is absolutely terrifying. But it just doesn't happen enough for me, you know, over a 38 game season, which is unfortunate. Um, but it's going to be so interesting to see if he can rise to the challenge. Um, you know, he seems like he's up for the battle. He's going to want to be part of this journey. Um, you know, he said he wanted better players around him. I'm not sure he expected it to happen this quickly <laughs> and to find himself out of the side. But as you say, he seems to have reacted really well. Um, but you didn't give us an answer, did you? Is he starting on Boxing Day? I don't think he starts, no. I think Eddie Howe will keep the same team from Bournemouth for Leicester. I think it was a really big statement on Tuesday night to go with all five World Cup players and actually to go pretty much full strength in, in terms of form. It was pretty much the team we saw um, directly before the World Cup break. So I think you'll stick with that team as long as everyone has came through unscathed. Mm. But that's not a bad no, no. Leads, you need to make a change exactly. and, it's at maximum that and this is what we've been talking about for months if Newcastle United want to go to the next level they need to have strength and depth and if you're all of a sudden calling on Alan St Maximum off the bench you know there's not many better sort of impact players off the bench to have than him No, 100% right let me play a clip from Brendan Rodgers uh, press conference today where he's very very complimentary about Newcastle United 
getting ready to face a Newcastle side that are currently mm. third in the Premier League mm. table. What have you made to them this season? Yeah, no, they've done a and made a great great start uh, to the season. No, they're a very good side. They've got good physicality in the team and, and good quality. I think the Eddie's done a fantastic job since he's gone in there. Um, so if you look on the field, Newcastle, uh, the, the, the same players that have really improved the uh, the squad and the dynamic of the team. They've all, they've had talented players in there, but the players they brought into the back line in particular and and goalkeeper really gives them, you know, that um, that real dominance in the in the back line, and that gives the the base for the the rest of the team to work. So, so Eddie's done a fantastic job there, and with those players, um, and I think, you know, I look at Newcastle, and I think off the field, as well, the um, you know you bring in Dan Ashworth, who's a, a top operator in in the game, as a as a sporting director. Darren Eales was another guy that uh, has come into the background and uh, into an executive role, and he's he's outstanding at his work. And of course, you then have the the supporters of Newcastle, which uh, give a great intensity to the game. So I think overall they're trying to build something there, do it the right way, implement a style of football that's exciting, aggressive, and, uh, and like I say, on and off the field, I think they're only going to improve and get better. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, a really good game for us. So I've got to be honest, when I first watched that video, all I could think about was he's definitely talking up Newcastle. Is he potentially angling for a job should Eddie Howe, you know, leave for whatever reason? I mean, I think we'll see a lot of that over the next couple of months, managers that are maybe wanting a stab at the job in the future. But yeah, look, very complimentary and maybe there's a little hidden agenda there. I mean, everything he said was was spot on. Um, you don't often hear people actually praising the defence. It's often much more about the about Bruno, about our me ones found the form. So uh, refreshing, in a sense, to hear an opposition manager, Premier League manager, talk about the defence and, and and how good it is and, and, and that being the main part of his, his praise for Newcastle. Yeah, as you say, over the years, it's always been about Maxi and even, you know, sort of at the start of this year, it was all about Bruno. So good to see that the defence is, is finally getting the credit it deserves. And look, I mean... I think they have people stand up and take note the last couple of months, especially um, you know since the arrival of Botman and obviously Nick Pope's fantastic clean suit stats. So, yeah, no surprise to see that managers are actually clocking onto it now. Yeah, and then the praise for Dan Ashworth for Darren Eels, and we've said this you know quite a few times that this off the field, the most refreshing thing about Newcastle United is that they are getting people in those positions that have experience, proven track records. There's a team there. You know, Peter Silverstone as well. There's a team there doing good things. You know, there's not just one man trying to piece it all together. There's a strong, experienced team there. And that is can, that can only be beneficial for Newcastle United. And it's clear that obviously what the, the stuff that they're building behind the scenes, the introduction of Eels and um, Silverstone, as you've mentioned, are, are making other teams stand up and take note. I mean, getting, getting noticed. You know, how many other times have you ever heard? Well, I mean, you've probably never heard it for Newcastle for 20 years, but an opposition manager actually coming out and praising two or three additions they've made off the pitch. It does go to show that really in terms of the first 14 months of ownership, they've got a lot of things right, both on and off the pitch. Um, so, yeah, no surprise to see Roger maybe angling for a future, future stint up here. I guess the irony is, is that before the takeover, 
and even probably in the months after the takeover, many people, including myself as a, as a fan, held up Leicester as the example of where we where we want to aim to be, you know, the top ground, top class training ground, the investment in the playing staff, the, the, the want and desire to not just crash the top four, but be a permanent fixture there. Of course, things haven't quite worked out how uh, Brendan Rodgers would have liked it. He's slowly getting them back on the form. And it's just ironic that in such a short space of time, the two the tables have turned, really. And, and it's Newcastle now that is maybe for, for teams, including Leicester, looking like the one that they hold up and say, OK, that's the kind of, that's the approach that we've got to take if we want to be a successful Premier League side. Leicester for years were that benchmark, weren't they? Your West Ham, your Everton, your Newcastle, your Southampton's all used to look and say, well... If Leicester can go and win the league, if Leicester can go and finish in the Champions League and the Europa League in back-to-back seasons, then this is what we need to be achieving. I mean, look, for all those years we had Mike Ashley and everyone was obviously doom and gloom. You look down the road at Leicester, you had passionate owners who aren't from the region. You know, they're from a very different culture in Thailand. They've came in very attentive with the supporters, very, very good at backing their manager, very, very good at scouting, you know, young Hungry players, Mores, can't they? Um, Thielmans, they were really were sort of the model of the type of football club you want to be. And it now goes to show that, you know, these things can change so quickly in football. Now, I think if you look at a, a lot of teams, Southampton's, West Ham's, Everton's, they're saying now Newcastle are the benchmark. Maybe it's a bit different because of the ownership, but Newcastle are now in that conversation that Leicester used to be in, you know, five or six years ago. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. back. So last year when Newcastle played Leicester down at the King Power, it was I think December the 12th, they were thumped 4 0. Um, and it's just switched around again. You know, this time around, Newcastle coming in this game as as favourites, you would say, not fearing a, a thumping off Leicester. And I, I've, I've actually done a piece because um, on this day, so the, the, uh, the 23rd year um, of December 2018, Newcastle had a 0 0 draw with. Fulham, and it was one of the worst games I think I've ever seen. And people listening and watching might remember Raf Benitez came out afterwards and said, "It's going to take a miracle to stay up." You know, he was he was not happy with the performance, and it was clearly a public kind of dig at Mike Ashley, trying to provoke him into into um, into strengthening the squad ahead of uh, in January. But Newcastle were five points off the drop zone at that point. It just seemed, in hindsight, it seemed a very strange comment. And I then look ahead to that Leicester game under Eddie Howe. Newcastle were 19th. There were three points from safety, just being thumped 4-0. Only had one win um, on the board. And Eddie Howe was positive. He talked about how they're getting to where he wants them to be. There was no, we're not good enough. There was no, we need reinforcements. Now, of course, the situation is very different. Eddie Howe was probably well aware there was going to be funds to come in January. Um, ambitious owners who didn't want, obviously, Newcastle to go down. bit different under Mike Ashley. He was kind of just happy to do the bare minimum. I don't know, it kind of called with me about how different Rafa Benitez's approach was to Eddie Howe. And bearing in mind as well, I think about five players in that defeat or that draw with Fulham um, are still on the books today at Newcastle. And and I think one of the key elements of the of the, of what I'm trying to get to is that Eddie Howe is very much a we're in this together. He he, he thinks about what he's trying to say. And I'm not sure if Benitez didn't, but it just seemed a very strange comment and 
probably didn't please too many people when he said that, especially in the dressing room. Yeah. You know, a bit, Eddie Howe was a bit more positive. He wasn't throwing anyone under the bus, so to speak. Well, we, we go back to it. You know, we've, me and you have spoken about both on the pod and off the pod in recent months about what Benitez was like when the side man Keogh and how, yes, he, he had to sort of prove his point to Mike Ashley, but Mankio signs and he goes, well, look, we've already brought him in because we didn't have the budget to get someone better. You would never hear that under Eddie Howe, whether it was under Ashley or these owners. And I mean, for a piece that I'm writing, I happen to just be looking back at Eddie Howe's comments this time 12 months ago as well. And um, there's an interview that he gave a couple of days before Christmas when, as you say, Newcastle were 19th, really struggling. And his words were, actually, you know, we've got enough quality in this squad to stay up. There was never any... Well, you know, it'll be a miracle for Steel, blah, blah. From minute one that he got this job, it was always positive. We're going to stay up. We've got the talent to do it. I mean, Matt Ritchie even said in the, in the programme notes to speak before Bournemouth, Eddie Howe came in and on the first day he said, I want to win a cup. And I mean, this is for a manager that's inheriting a team, staring relegation in the face. So for all Eddie Howe's um, positives of what he's done on the pitch, the feeling of positive that he's got seen with the fan base cannot be underestimated at all. It's amazing because I think it's about 11 or so players that were involved in that fixture last season against Leicester are still here at the club, you know. So his greatest asset in many ways, apart from the, the tactical skills he's got, uh, it's just instilling confidence into a into a team. Because yeah, yeah. They're professional footballers, you know, they're clearly got something about them. It's just boosting them enough to say, well, actually, yes, yes, you are good enough. You know, you might not be messy, but believe me, you're good enough to be a Premier League footballer and you can get us out of this mess. I mean, look what he's done with Emil Kraft. I mean, he turned Emil Kraft into Cafu. He's turned Miggy into Ronaldo. He's done all these things with players that Bruce and Benitez would never get a tune out of. Um, and look, even from, even from, you know, our point of view as journalists, you know, you go into a press conference with him, he's very, very polite. You know, he's very, yes, he's very media savvy and he knows what he can and can't say. But, I mean... But so was Rafa Benitez. Rafa Benitez was incredibly savvy. And he, he in most things he said, you, you always knew there was a... The, he said it for a reason. And you mm-hmm. knew why he said there was comments against Fulham. And, and and for the majority of the time, you know, they were they was aimed at Mike Ashley. And, you know, that was that's kind of where it stopped. You know, you wouldn't think the players, the players got too too upset at them. It was just that that one kind of incident against Fulham where you just go, what? Like When you read those comments, you're right, you'd never hear that from, from Eddie Howe. Every time he's asked about a player, there's always, oh, you know, yeah, he's got a good attitude or mm-hmm. he's got, you know, he's you know, he's got a good fitness stamina, whatever. Every single player, he just talks up and talks up. Now, behind the scenes, he might be a bit more brutal, but that's how it should be, shouldn't it? Yeah, and definitely. And I mean, it's something that, you know, I'd noticed from the very start, and that's when we ask him a question about Bruno and how good Bruno is. Yours make sure to mention how good Shelby is and how good Longstaff is because he doesn't want to leave any out in that position. He never wants to put too much praise, and you know, he wants that group to be as close as possible in terms of ability, doesn't he? That's why in previous windows we've seen that he hasn't tried to, you know, bring in superstars because he wants this fantastic mentality among the group to stay as it is for as long as it possibly can until you go, actually, you know what, Newcastle need to probably spend a bit more. Do you think it's another sign of just how well Eddie Howe has done because he didn't just have to pick up the players from working under Steve Bruce, who was a little bit similar to Rafa Benitez in terms of, you know, it's 
I'm, I'm working with what I've what I've got here. You know, I haven't got world class players. And Rafa Benitez again was was a little bit downtrodden when it came to it. I there was Fulham quotes mm-hmm. about you know th- th- this team isn't that good. These players aren't that good. So he's had his what four five seasons of, of, of especially for the, the the eleven or twelve that are still here of you're not that good. Yeah, and I think what it did highlight was, I mean, we all knew it was nonsense when Steve Bruce said it at the time, but when Bruce used to come out and say, this is the only way we can play, we can't play free phone attacking football with the squad. Well, actually, Steve, you could have if you had the capabilities because, yes, look, Howard's had very good attacking players brought into the side for him, but a lot of those players in attack, Miggy, Wilson, um, Willick, were all Steve Bruce players and they were consistently told we can't play any other way than what we're playing now, which was back to the wall, try and spring a counter. But very similar to how and I know yeah, Benitez and I, didn't have all those players, but Benitez, you, you've Benitez, you felt there was more of a plan. Yes, they were going to sit, sit deep. Yes, it wasn't entertaining to watch, but actually, sometimes you knew there was a very, very good and thought out counter attacking plan. And sometimes you would actually gain some really big scalps against Chelsea and Arsenal and Manchester United, especially at St James's. Whereas under Bruce, you just you thought it's back to the walls, but really when we get the ball, you give it a max and you see what he can do. Whereas I feel like under Benitez, it was a lot more thought out, um, even though they're both defensive managers. So look, yeah, how deserves massive credit for the results, but also the manner in which he's got this team player now, which is they can beat anybody. Can't be honest, when Newcastle were thumped 4 0 by Leicester last year, uh, I was I thought that was it. I thought that was I thought it was curtains. I think everybody did. I think, you know, Yes, Howe's had a fantastic year, but really his, you know, his start to life at Newcastle was a bit tricky and um, took a while to get his first win before Burnley. Then you had that period over Christmas where thumped off Leicester, um, struggled at City, got beat at Cambridge. And actually, we were looking at that Cambridge game and thinking it really hasn't gone to plan. Um, and then obviously Leeds away turned everything around and has, has just transformed the club. But um, I think a lot of people this time last year were really thinking, even though Howe's came in, said all the right things, I think they were still thinking it was going to be a big ass to stay in the league. But again, that's just kind of another, uh, you know, applause to, to, to Eddie Howe and his staff for the way they handled that situation, where they are now. I mean, Newcastle beat Leicester on Boxing Day. Um, you know, <laughs> they could potentially go up with Manchester City, couldn't they? So it's it's unbelievable when you, you look at the league table and you compare it to this time last year to now and uh, long may it continue. Um, we're going to do the quiz now. So, for those watching live, please join in because I'm not sure me now we're not going to be able to complete this. So I'm going to share the screen. And for those of us on the podcast later, uh, just, just join in and see if we can do it. So let me just share the screen. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this later screaming into their phones if we're, if we're struggling. So but this work, right. So hopefully, you can you, right, hopefully, there we go. Right, so back on the mic now. So this is, what is it? It's Newcastle players in World Cups since 1990. So we have 16 minutes. Um, and what I'll do is, shall we Shall we start? Yeah, let's start. Let's go for it. A little bit of a Christmas quiz. Right, so uh, when it goes up to 2010 then, does it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Right, so um, let's start with Alan Shearer, nice easy one to begin with. I'll get the comments up so you can get any help. There we go. Right. Uh, Aspria, he's got to be Colombia 94. 
Oh, so all right. So the players come in more. Right, okay. So it's each tournament. Scotland. Uh, goodness, we're going to be rubbish at this, aren't we? What, yeah, 1990? Well, 98's got to be Gavash. I'm, I'm assuming they're, they're counting that, but even they didn't move. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, 1990, there's a lot of England players. 1990. Eh? Gascoigne, did he still work? Well, not in 1990. But these must be. Gascoigne's in there in 90. But he moved, he left, he left Newcastle well before 1990. It must be any Newcastle player yeah, to have played at Newcastle, not when they were capped. Yeah. Right, yeah. okay. Well, it makes a little bit easier then. So, Philip Albert's 94 Belgium then. Look at that. Ireland. Uh, Shea Given would have played one right, on two islands. Um, actually, that makes it a little bit harder, doesn't it? Netherlands, Holland players, Argentina, Gutierrez right. was definitely one. Yeah. Um, Gio is going to be that Ivory Coast one above them. Right, okay, let's just have a little dive in the comments then and see, um, see if we've got any help here. Craig Moore, right? Um, fantastic show. Yeah. Look at that, fantastic, right? Oh, Mike alone. Yeah. We've got fourteen minutes left here. Trying to get um, Shaka Hislop. There we go. Lots of Cameroon ones. Dem Demabar before. Oh, he's Senegal. Sorry, isn't he? Um, Jerem Jeremy yeah, Senegal. Yeah. There we go. Cameroon, sorry. Uh, Denmark's Lovenkrantz potentially must have played. Nice. But Beardsley Waddle, we'll get the 90s out of the way first. I'm test your spelling here, Beardsley. I've, I've already put it in. Oh, you've put him in, you've put him in. Um, Spain, 2002. Spanish player. Spanish player. Viana for Portugal. Spanish player in there. In 2002. Oh, this is going to be someone who's saying maybe under Allardyce, isn't it? Oh, uh, what about David Rosenthal? He's got to be in there. Oh, that's going to catch as well. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Uh, United States. Um, the centre back that signed on loan pass. On a, on a... Oh, oh. If anybody in the comments can tell me how to spell Omeneu. Let's check the comments. We've got him well. We've got 12 and a half minutes here. Oh, look at this. Teori Gavilan. Right, we'll give this a go, Derek. So, Gavilan, Gavilan look at that. Teori? Is he going to be the will? Oh, he's yeah, in yet. Ivory Coast. Oh, we're on a roll now. So, do you have uh, Ham on? Come on, come on. Right, there we go. Scotland must be um, David Barty. Gallagher. Uh, Netherlands, like a Dutch player. Clive Shout. There we go. Perfect. Right. Um, Denmark, Denmark, Denmark. 99. John Bonds. Yeah. We're going to be missing a lot of England players, aren't we? Because we're not thinking about them being. Yeah. So who else is in that 1990 squad? Beardsley, Waddle. Oh, 
No, which is Welsh. No, I was thinking maybe Wales had qualified for a World Cup. That's what I was thinking. No, because that first World Cup since 1958, wasn't it? Mm. Um, Uruguay. Who would have or, um, Basidas? Is he? Okay, that's. <laughs> Uh, 2006. Scott Parker, maybe. That's a good shout. Yeah. Oh. Milner. Yeah, Milner. Um. Island 1990. 1990 Island. What about what about Aaron Hughes in 2002? Oh, that's a good job. I don't know how Hughes. No Hughes. Um, oh. Da, 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 da. It was the captain and the Keegan. Let's go back to the comments. We'll see if there's any. Uh, Alan Smith, Yedlin. Oh, damn it. Derek. Derek is running this year. No, no Yedlin. I thought I was just sure. Smith's not in there. No Smith either. Nope. Sorry, Derek. I was wrong, you're not running this. <laughs> missing, a, missing a lot of England. Oh, Sol Campbell being there. That's a shot, right? So, um, oh, Johnson, Ronnie Johnson, that's a great shout. Great shout, Derek, by the way, in the comments here. So what we've got, we've got 2010 Nigeria, 2010 Mar Cameroon. Martin's, Martin's 2010 maybe. Great shout. Cameroon. Happy um, Bye. Basong. There we go. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Senegal, my too. bad. Um, Island, Island. Ooh. I'm trying to think, Island. Damien Duff. Damien Duff. It's got to be one, honey. Yeah. 2002. Damien Duff. Kieran Dyer. He's got to be in there, honey. Yeah. Jermaine Genus. Yeah. Oh, we're on a roll, lads. Come on. Argentina. Uh, Gutierrez. Oh, can he spell it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I think I've already got a minute. If he's always played college, so he go to World Cup. Oh, he did. Oh, was that? That's right. Okay. Denmark, Denmark, Denmark. We need a couple of USA ones as well, if anybody can refer me on, yeah, on Yeah Woo. That's the spelling. Thank you very much. Okay, that. Fair there we're going. Right. Switzerland is um, head, 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 uh, hitting it. Um, oh. I know it is. I know it is, but I kind of think of it. Someone in the comments, come on. Someone knows who I mean, 94. We're missing a lot of 1990 here. England, Scotland, Ireland. We're still missing a lot of Senegal. Who knew Newcastle had so many Senegal but, players? We tried, we tried Bomb, we tried CC. Yeah. Um, Fiduka. Australia. Yes. Um, Sweden, 2002. Andreas Anderson. Oh, that is a fantastic show. 2002 Nigeria. It's difficult because a lot of these were not playing for Newcastle yeah. when uh, they were capped. There we go. Look at that. And Derek with that one as well. Thomason. That's a good show. Look at that. Right, come on. We've got 
16 to go. We need Nigeria, still Senegal, Ireland, 2002. That wasn't given Hughes or Duff. We're missing a lot of England as well. A lot of players that have played for England down Newcastle. That's Scottish one as well. What about Barry Venison? Was he the night he scored? No, no. Uh, Definitely got Beardsley in there. Definitely got Beardsley in there. Well, I've we'll tapped. Definitely not in Beardsley. He's definitely in the 1990 squad. PS. PS, that's a fantastic shout, Stuart. PS, yep. Nigeria, Nigeria. Nigeria. So we've got over Femi Morton, so it can't be him. Oh, Beardsley is there now. Um... Night, night. Oh, nineteen ninety eight, Croatia. Who was Croatian that played for Newcastle? Serna Czech was it? No, he was he was Czech Republic, wasn't he? Still need oh, Ireland 2002. Spain. Spain, yeah, that's Spanish. Are we going to look really stupid here? I feel like we're going to be missing some obvious ones. Boom songs in there somehow. Get out. Boom songs Boom in song there. Boom song in a World Cup. Who would have thought it? England 2002. We've got Genus in there. Genus is in there. Dyer's in there. Nicky Brooke. How are you? Like, come, on, come on. But, but must be yeah. Lee what about Rob Lee? Is in there. Is he? Um, Howie? Howie? No. Um, Do we have like a, a random keeper? This Croatia one's throwing me. I still missed a lot of Nigeria. Can France we... 2006. Who could that Robert? be? Was Robert maybe? Robert maybe. Oh, yeah. No. No, no. Oh, strike Remy. Remy? Too young, isn't it? ever get the World Cup? No. Nope. Not in the end in there. Four minutes left. We need we need twelve more. We've got, we got, we got, we got his lot. Oh man. Spain two thousand and two is such a tricky one, isn't it? Who on earth is Spanish that? World Cup. Any more help from the comments would be massively appreciated. Yeah. yeah have you have you got any help in the comments? Drop them in. If you're listening later on the podcast channel, we do appreciate. Uh, well, sorry, we do apologise rather for the, the moans and groans, and there's some terrible answers being thrown in here by us. Oh, I mean, there, that's gonna. Knackworth, right? Let's think 1990. 1990. It's going to have to be uh, goalkeeper. No. No. Come on. Andy Cole? I don't think, I don't know. I think I'm a bit early for him, though. Yeah, no, Andy Cole. Uh, he didn't play the World Cup. 
2002 Allen one that's getting us. Kieran Kelly would be happy if he was here, would he? You'd know. Well, right, you know, we had we had the rest of the team, Sean McCormick. Yeah. He's, he's very good at this and he loves the World Cup as well. Ah. Oh. Fanto six is the, is the one that's on my mind. Marriage. Oh, it's going to be the Croat. Yeah. Look yeah, at that. Perfect. perfect. Right. Come on, Nigeria. Uh, Andy Fair, is uh, that what you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Senegal 2002. Um, at the same time, so who else did the sign? We need to think of these Allardyce signings, don't we? The Fair, the Rosnals, the Broomsongs, they all managed to get to a World Cup somehow. Jeremy Bay. Yeah. Do we have a strike of some sort? Oh! oh. Viana, we've got uh, we've got Hugo Viana. So we're missing ten. We need two thousand and two Ireland, two thousand and two Nigeria, two thousand and two Spain, nineteen ninety eight Nigeria, nineteen ninety for England, Ireland, and Scotland. Ten to go. Two thousand and six France. Any more comments? There's Come going on. to be some people listening later screaming. O'Brien, O'Brien, that's O'Brien, a shout. That's a fantastic shout. Andy O'Brien, 2002, perfect. Senegal, Nigeria, Spain in 2002. These are going to haunt us tonight. Oh, no, I was going to say Tim Cruel, but it's too, it's too early. I feel like there was I feel like there was a player similar to Andy Fay. Did we get that Holland one? Yeah, it was quite a part of climate. Oh, it was a Scottish one, maybe. Oh, oh um, Carr, Stephen Carr. Stephen Carr. No. No. I thought that was a shoe in. Will Fox 1990 maybe? Yeah. Beardsley, Waddle, Barnes, Gascoigne, Tuli, Hashira, Ferdinand. Oh, 1998. Who's that? It was part of that. Oh, come on. 40 seconds. Come on, guys, in the comments. More might fall back. David Besson. David Besson is a good shout. Yes, yes. 1990. There was um, one more. There was one more below. More, more. No. Mick Mott. Mick Mott would be a good shout. More might fall back. Oh, Stephen Carr, he's on about. Oh. I'm going to be honest, 66 out of 73. Very, very valiant effort, I yeah. I feel like that 2006 France one, though, we're missing a yeah. big name there, surely. There's going to be a lot of people listening to this later really, really shouting at their phones with answers that we should have got. Here we go. So. Uh, what's going on here? We've got an advert. The answers that we're missing are. Oh, let me in the atta. I mean, never. Albert, Luke A. How do we get rid of this? It's gonna. Sorry, we've got an advert here that. Oh, look at that, Bobby Howe. So we missed Kevin Sheedy, Roy Atkin in 1990. 
we missed Bobby Oro in 98 in 2002. Yeah. We missed Lamine Diata in 2002 and we also missed Louis Saha France 06 I think that is a very very valiant effort and thank you very much everybody in the comments who plugged away there yeah thank you guys how did we how do we get I know Townsend to kind of phrase far too early for Townsend um but thank you for everyone who joined in there I don't know you, you I'm a little bit frustrated Bobby Aro was a big one so hard. Do you know that was more difficult because a lot of them caps were not earned as Newcastle United players. Yeah, the majority of them probably weren't. To be fair, which made it a bit harder. But yeah, I think that's a good effort. Mm, frustrating. It's frustrating. Like, it's like you're not happy. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for everyone who joined in live there. Uh, cheers to Derek to kind of phrase and everyone else that offered some answers up, and to you guys listening later on the podcast. Um, I hope we did all right. You know, we did all right. Well, Aaron thinks we did. I'm just frustrated that we didn't get the full whack. But we tried. And maybe we'll do one of these in the new year as well. Um, and sit and keep the fun going. Maybe I was, maybe I'm Steve Bruce standards. No, you already have standards too high. <laughs> maybe that's what well, it's not a bad platform to start on. Exactly. Like, well, how many did we lose there? Six, was it? Seven. Seven. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, you know, it's not a bad start. Uh, next month, we'll, uh, we'll aim for... We'll say we'll aim to, to, to leave only about five and we'll, 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 well, no, actually, no, we'll aim to get all of them because that is the standards we set here at the everything is black and white <laughs> podcast. Um, all that is left to do before we wish you guys a Merry Christmas is your score prediction for Boxing Day. Um, I think I'm going to go with 2-1 Newcastle um, and I think we'll see Wilson and Miggyum on the goals. Hello. Take that. Yeah, I'm going to go. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to go draw. I'm sorry. I know it's Christmas and I should be feeling happy and festive, but I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a 1 1 draw. And I think I'll beat Leeds. You just set the bar so high with that game and then you just, you're bringing the tone right. So it's a realistic prediction. I think four points, right? Four points from the next six. I think Mm -hmm. you take that, it keeps you well in the mix. Yeah. Leaves you positive going into that game against Arsenal. So yeah, I'll gonna say a point against Leicester. I think a win against against Leeds. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a positive, positive festival. Um, we just want to wish you guys a merry Christmas, a happy New Year, and so say thank you very much for tuning in to the podcast throughout twenty twenty two. We'll have a few more podcasts before the air is out, but this will be the final one in our. Can we call it a studio? <laughs> The studio make, works. A makeshift studio, yeah. The studio mm-hmm. works. We'll hopefully start in the new year. We'll have a bit more about it. Um, maybe not a webcam, but this funny angle. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, we want to wish you Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for all your comments, all your interactions. Thank you for guys who are coming along to the, to the live events. We love doing them in person. We can't wait for the next one. Thank you for reading all the content on the website. You know, it's been a fantastic year for the podcast. You know, we've about hit 1.3 million downloads uh, in 2022, which we're overjoyed with, aren't we? Like that, that's fantastic. You guys spend the time watching and listening to us, um, especially Aaron, because he doesn't know that much. <laughs> but we just want to, yeah, Merry Christmas. Have a great new year. Stay safe out there, guys. And head over to Chronicle Live.co.uk to keep with all the latest Newcastle Night news. 